of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day word for word from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word radio Bible study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have been reading and hearing the predictions of our Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, and in this lesson we will be exploring verses 42 through 44, which concerns the coming of the Son of Man. Now, Jesus refers to his second coming to the earth, not the rapture which occurs in the air. Dr. Mitchell makes it evident that the principle of waiting for the Savior from heaven is true now for the Christian as well as when the Lord told his disciples about his second coming to earth for Israel. He says the coming of the Lord is certain, but the time of his coming is uncertain. So we are exhorted to watch for Jesus in his coming for his own people at the rapture now. Well, with the exposition of Scripture on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, here's Dr. Mitchell Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 44. Thank you. Again, we come with our studies in the Gospel through Matthew, and we rejoice in the wonderful privilege that is ours of coming to you day after day in the study of the Word of God. How we need the Spirit of God these days to make the truth very precious and very real to us. It's not enough for us to have our minds filled with doctrine and with truth, but we need our lives transformed by the power of that truth. You remember the Lord Jesus said, the words, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they're life. It's a life-giving word. In fact, as the word of God comes into our minds and hearts 
It brings light. It, it reveals to us not only the person of God and his wonderful salvation, but also the purposes of God for the church, for Israel, for the nations of the world. And in these two chapters of Matthew, chapter 24 and 25, we've been dealing here with the predictions of the king. And we're right down to verse 42 of chapter 24. He has been dealing primarily with the, his purpose for the nation Israel, answering the question of the disciples, when shall these things be? And what they had in mind there was the destruction of the city when our Lord had said, there shall not be one stone left upon another, and so on. And then what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the age? And the Lord picks up the answer to those questions, and he talks, first of all, about his coming to Israel in verses 3 to 44, having warned them, first of all, to be careful because there will be false Christs and false teachers who shall come to them, and they'll know the Lord when he comes. There'll be no question about that. And then he picks up the, uh, the prophecy of Daniel, chapter 9, about the revelation of the Antichrist, and of how he makes a covenant with Israel, and then breaks that covenant when he puts uh, an image of himself in the temple of God in Jerusalem. This opens the eyes of the Jews to who they had made a league with. And instead of him being a friend, he becomes an implacable enemy. He's determined to stamp them out. And this is called the time of Jacob's trouble. And then we come right down to verse 29. We have to 29 to 31, the, the day of the Lord, after the tribulation of those days, we're going to see the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And of how he's going to come, there'll be no question about it. He's going to come uh, with clouds, as Daniel 7 declares, and Matthew 26 declares, and Acts chapter 1 declares. Uh, he's going to come in, in judgment, as Thessalonians chapter 1 of second book says, he's going to come in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel. We have that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, where we read, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also that pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Now then, following that, you have a parable, starting at verse 32 down to 35. You've got the parable of the fig tree, which speaks of the regathering of Israel and life coming again to the nation, his people Israel. And then from verse 36, right on down to verse 41, we have the revelation of his coming with respect to the world. So you have the two things. You have the regathering of Israel, even though they're coming in unbelief. And as we said in our past lessons, uh, the judgment of God is going to be upon Israel because of their unbelief. But there will be a godly remnant saved. Uh, I wouldn't go back to Ezekiel chapter 20 and Zechariah 13, where we were discussing these matters, except to repeat what I have said. But now concerning the world itself, what will be the sign of the coming of the Lord just before he comes? It'll be like it was in the days of Noah, where you have three things that characterize that day. Indifference to God and his provision for their need. Looseness in morals, marrying and giving in marriage, and they were ignorant of a coming judgment. They didn't care what God had to say about 
a coming judgment. For you remember that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He declared a coming judgment, and they laughed him to scorn. And the result, only eight people were saved. You remember, according to 1 Peter chapter 3, Noah, his wife, and his children were saved through the judgment. Now, you will notice that at the verses 40 and 41, those who are taken away are taken away in judgment. Those who are left are left behind to go into the kingdom. Now, starting in at verse 42, uh, we have what we are told to do there to watch. Let me read verses 42 and 43 and 44 of Matthew 24. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Again we come, the certainty of his return demands that we watch. Now, I said a while ago, he's been dealing right from verse from verse 3 of chapter 24, right on down to verse 44. He's been dealing especially with his coming to the nation Israel. And they're told to watch. You take Mark chapter 13, when Jesus said, concerning his coming to the earth to reign, he said, what I say unto one, I say unto all, watch, for in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man comes. Now, for the church of Christ, if I might give the same uh, exhortation, we have in Thessalonians chapter 1, the first book, verses 9 and 10, where the Apostle Paul said, How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, even Jesus, whom he raised from the dead, who hath delivered us from the coming wrath. And they were told to wait for his Son. That is, to live in anticipation continual anticipation of the one whom having not seen we love. Israel is told to watch, to be on the alert. Now, the principle is the same, whether you watch or whether you wait. There's that anticipation of the coming of our Lord. For us as believers today, those of us who are Christians, we wait for his Son from heaven. We can say, you remember, with John, the apostle, in the last chapter of Revelation, chapter 22, where the last words of our Savior were, Surely I come quickly. And John responds very quickly and says, Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. And this is the cry of the heart of all God's people. Many do not know much about it. But there's one thing for sure. The Lord is going to return. First of all, for his people, the church, and then he's going to return to the earth to reign. And Israel is going to be restored to her former glory. So we ought to watch. I repeat it, the coming of the Lord is certain. The time is uncertain. And because the time is uncertain, we ought to watch. We ought to be on the alert. We ought to live in anticipation of the coming of our Savior. It is true for us, too, as believers. It's true for Israel, because when he comes to Israel, he comes to deliver them from their enemies. He comes to the earth and does their job. But for the Christian today, the church of Christ, he doesn't come to the earth. We go to meet him in the air, 
as Thessalonians chapter 4 says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, dealing with this question. I just mentioned this in passing, but the exhortation, whether it's to Israel in that day or whether it's to us today, watch, to wait, to live in anticipation, to be on the alert, and don't sleep. As he said again in Mark 13, what I say unto one, I say unto all, watch. The coming of the Lord, it even for his own people may be today. My Christian friend, may I just ask you, are you living today or in anticipation of the coming of the Lord? You know, this gave great strength to the early church through the times of persecution, martyrdom, uh, even when they were taken out into the Roman amphitheater to be torn to pieces by wild beasts or to be speared by gladiators, uh, they knew that absent from the body was present with the Lord, or the Lord might come. You see, whether, whether we go by death or the coming of the Lord, we just say good night to earth and good morning to glory. This is the joy, the anticipation of God's people. Marvelous thing that we live even today, even today, the Lord Jesus may come for his own. We ought to be on the alert. Uh, this is a practical truth. In 1 John chapter 3, the third verse says, Everyone who hath this hope set on him. What hope? The hope of seeing the Savior face to face and being transformed and being just like him. For you remember it says in the second verse of that chapter, Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be just like him. We shall see him as he is, and every one who hath this hope set on him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. In other words, if we live in anticipation of his coming, if we're on the alert, if we're watching, waiting for his coming, it's going to affect our lives. Certainly, I do, I, want, I do not want to be in any place that I'd be ashamed when the Lord comes. I don't want to be doing things that will bring dishonor to his name because he may come. You see, the, the great yearning of God's heart for his people is to have their, their affection, their devotion stayed upon the Savior. As Paul could say in Philippians chapter 1, I'm in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. But what does the preceding verses say? That Christ be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live Christ, to die is to be with Christ. So what's the difference, says Paul? Whether I live or whether I die, Christ be magnified in my body. If I'm going to live, I'm going to magnify him. If I die, I'm going to be right in his presence, glorifying, magnifying him. You see, Christ was the passion of Paul's heart. He was the object of his affection and devotion. That's why he could say in chapter 3 of Philippians, it's one thing I do. Forget the past with all its accomplishments and failures, I'm going to press toward the prize for the mark of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, I count all things but loss just to know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering made conformable unto his death. You see, our Lord can be and ought to be 
the object of our affection and devotion, so that whatever the day may be, whatever the night may be, whatever the circumstances are, whatever the world does, whatever men do, our hearts, our anticipation, our expectation is the coming of the Lord. Now, this is what you have in, in Matthew 24 concerning the remnant of Israel. Having come under the judgments of God, the appeal is to the remnant of Israel to watch, be sober, in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Are you watching? Are you waiting? Now, starting in at verse 45 of chapter 24 of Matthew, and running right down through chapter 25, verse 30, you have three parables given to us. And I would like to just say a word or two as a general picture of these three parables. Uh, these three parables have to do with the attitude of God's people concerning his coming. I'm going to take up the principle of it. For example, the first one, which is the end of chapter 24, what is to be my attitude to others, especially uh, those who profess to be the servants of the Lord? In view of his coming, how shall I act? And then in chapter 25, verses 1 to 13, you have the parable of the virgins. And this is to be our attitude. What is to be my attitude to the Lord in view of his soon coming? And then when you come to chapter 25, verses 14 to 30, where we have the third parable, it has to do with the question of the talents. This is our attitude to the world in view of his coming. We have uh, our attitude to others, especially those who claim to believe in the Lord, in view of his coming. Here you have the true servants and the false servants. Our attitude to the Lord himself, in view of his coming. We ought to be in anticipation because our hearts are set upon him. Here you have the parable of the virgins, the five wise and the five foolish. And then we come to verses 14 to 30 of chapter 25, and we have what is to be our attitude to the world. And he takes up the question of talents, the question of business. Uh, what's my conduct to be to the outside world in view of his coming? So you see, there are three aspects, three parables given to us, touching uh, three definite objects concerning the believer and his watching and his waiting for the coming of the Lord. How shall I deal with my fellow servants, those who claim to be the servants of the Lord? You've got the question of faithfulness and unfaithfulness. And the question of the, of the, of the virgins, so five, five, five wise, five foolish. And we have the, the certainty of the call. They all looked alike, but their object of their hearts were different. And this comes out, of course, in the parable. The five foolish were not known. And when we come to the question of the attitude to the world, we have our outward service uh, toward the world outside, the question of being faithful in our service for God in the midst of a world that has no place for him. I'm going to stop you today because I want you to read those three parables. Now, may I just give one further word of warning? Whether it be the parables in Matthew 13, where you have the seven parables concerning the kingdom, 
or whether it be these three parables. Remember, a parable is the Lord using something down here on earth to give us a spiritual lesson. And he has, as a rule, he has one thing in mind. The trouble is when people try to expound parables, oftentimes they try to make every detail of the parable fit, and it just doesn't fit. And with the result, we generally go off the deep end. Now, I want you to read these three parables. In fact, I would love to have you read Matthew 24 and 25 with respect to the coming of the Lord and this matter of watching and waiting. Now, may I just say this in closing today? And I speak first of all to those of you who are Christians. Is Jesus Christ the object of your affection and devotion? Are you watching? Are you waiting? The Lord commands us to watch, and he also informs us to wait. In other words, is Jesus Christ the one for whom you wait, for whom you watch? Is your anticipation day after day to seeing Jesus Christ, whom having not seen we love? Or are our hearts, affections, and devotions wrapped up with things down here? Everyone who hath this hope said on him, Purify themselves, even as he is pure. And for a word to those of you who may not accept, who may not have accepted the Savior, you're not Christians. You haven't come into relationship with the Savior. May I just say to you today, and I honestly believe this, that Jesus Christ is coming for the church is very, very, very near. The day of grace is coming to an end. And the Apostle Paul could say, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. I would strongly urge you, if you have never come into right relationship with Jesus Christ, God's Son, that you do so. That you take him as your own personal Savior. Make him the object of your faith, of your trust. And the moment you accept Jesus Christ, you really mean business, and you accept him as your Savior, then you become the recipient of eternal life. Your sins are forgiven you. You become a child of the living God. And because you're accepted in Jesus Christ, you can stand before God in all his merit and all his beauty. I urge you to accept him today while it is yet called today. Sometimes when my faith would My soul is weak. 
that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Bye,